My first book, Digital Nomads for Dummies, is available for pre-order now, wherever books are sold. You can find it by searching on your favorite retailers like Amazon or Barnes & Noble, by using the link in the show notes, or by going to travelingwithkristin.com slash four dash dummies. That's F-O-R dash D-U-M-M-I-E-S. Welcome to Badass Digital Nomads, where we're pushing the boundaries of remote work and travel, all while staying grounded with a little bit of old school philosophy, self-development, and business advice from our guests. Hey there, Kristen from Traveling with Kristen here, and welcome to episode 166 of Badass Digital Nomads. My guest today is Jiang Cao, who is a freelance graphic designer from Vietnam. And in today's interview, she's sharing with us how she transitioned from a traditional nine to five job in Vietnam and started working independently for herself, how she tripled her income, has been able to travel around as a digital nomad in Southeast Asia. And she also talks about how her perception and goals for being a digital nomad changed during the pandemic when she got stuck for two years on lockdown in Malaysia. Jiang and I talk about dating as a digital nomad. She talks about her struggles with loneliness. And we also share a good laugh about her website, verynomadproblems.com, where she creates hilarious comic strips about the plight of digital nomads. I first came across Jiang's work a few years ago when I was looking for illustrations for my book, Digital Nomads for Dummies. And I'm very happy to announce that Jiang's work has been commissioned for the book, so you'll get to see some of her comics in print. I got such a kick out of Jiang's art, and we became friends during the process of publishing the book, and so I asked her to come on Badass Digital Nomads to share her story and share some of her tips and struggles as a digital nomad. Regardless of where you're from in the world, I hope you enjoy our conversation today. Jiang also talks about her struggles with applying for visas to visit different countries because of the unfairness of the passport strength system. And at the end, she gives us some of her favorite places to live in Vietnam. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. I'm Kristen. And if you're a longtime listener, then why not pay it forward and leave us a five-star review wherever you listen. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or on our website, badassdigitalnomads.com. Thanks for tuning in today and enjoy the show. Well, welcome to Badass Digital Nomads, Jiang. Hi, thank you for having me with you today. Yeah. Where are you joining us from today? I am from Saigon, Vietnam. Is that where you're located now? Yes. So I've been back to Vietnam for a few months now after being stuck in Malaysia for two years due to COVID. So I've been traveling throughout the country for my family. So now I am staying in my favorite city in Vietnam. It is Saigon. In Saigon. I've never been to Vietnam, so I'll have to go there. Wow, you should. Yeah. (laughs) Really should, yeah. We'll ask you some travel tips for Vietnam at the end. But I'm so curious about how you became a digital nomad. 
So you grew up in Vietnam. And at what point did you decide to adopt this lifestyle? Oh, I guess it comes from an early age. Like I didn't know what Nomad was, but I always knew that I don't want to work for a company. So I think I've been working for a few companies and I just keep quitting. And then to one point, I started transiting to a freelancer. And after that, I started to work in a place that I like. And then I realized, okay, now I can just travel anywhere with this. So I just started doing that without knowing about Digital Nomad beforehand. But then it's just everything just keeps happening very naturally. So mm-hmm. it's where I am now. Yeah. What did you study in school and what was your first job? I studied industrial design, but my first job was in game design. We also do a little bit of TV advertising and all video production and all. And then I just keep working in game industry. Yeah, so that's what I started with. And after that, I gained some more skills to become a graphic designer and then I'm still working as a graphic designer now. How did you uh, teach yourself graphic design or how did you learn at the beginning? I learned in school for the basic skill like drawing and color and all that stuff. But for the software, I think I just learned it myself online. Mm -hmm. Did you use like YouTube tutorials or did you take any online courses? No, I think I just watch video and just try doing it for myself. Uh And then my friend was running a magazine. It's a very basic photocopy magazine that we pass by around each other. I don't remember what it's called, but I just designed for that magazine. And then that is where I just started to learn my skill before I even go to school. And I think that is my first job, Mm -hmm. actually. Even though it's not technically a job, but it's just give me the challenge to learn the skill needed to make that magazine. And then how do you get your clients now or, you know, in the past few years, how long have you been a digital nomad for or when did you start? I think it's about six years now. So my first freelance client is actually my previous employer. So when I leave, I made a deal with them saying, I don't actually want to quit. I want to work from home. So can you give me like, I can do it working from home for a few days in a week. So if you can give me that, then I can still keep working with you. And at first they say no, but after a week or so, they call me and say, they said, okay, then you can work like three days a week. And I think that is my first client, even though it's still like a contract. And after that, I started to go online and looking for places. So there are a few places that I sign up for, like Upwork, People Per Hour, and Fiverr. I know a lot of people frown on Fiverr because they think like the quality there is very cheap. But actually, I find a lot of good clients on Fiverr because you can up your price depending on what service you're providing. And a lot of clients are looking for people on Fiverr. And unlike Upwork, where you have to bid for a project, here on Fiverr, you can just have like a page that show what you have done. And then the clients can just look at that and choose you. So a lot of my clients just pick me. And then after I've, I found a few regular clients, I move out of Fiverr and then just work with them directly. 
So that's what I'm doing now. Oh, amazing. Trying to find clients, just like home emailing them and contacting them directly. Yeah, that always pays off. I've heard a lot of people that their first freelance client was their previous employer. That's a very nice transition. Yeah, yeah. And did they pay you the same amount when you did freelance? No, actually, no. So I was working five days per week when I was full-time, right? So when I was freelancing, it's three days per week. So my salary was cut off accordingly. But I'm very happy because I can just work at home and then don't have to go to the office. So yeah. I can do with that. And during my free time, I can find new opportunity and new client. So that is not like a bad deal. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people are afraid to do cold outreach, but it's quite effective. Do you have any tips or strategies for how you find people to email them and pitch for work? What I'm telling you is that that's what I am doing now. So I don't think like I have like a tip for what is actually work, working. So what I'm trying to do is just like polish my portfolio based on what I've done. Because as a graphic designer, it's easy to show, it's easy to see at a glance what I've done. And then I just go online and see, because right now what I am focusing on is like small business and independent business. So I can offer them like a package of content creation, like visual creation. And my specialty is infographic and data visualization so I can just make like a package of content with that in mind and then offer them like say hey I can make you like a few things for free and then after that you see like okay if that's what you are looking for then then you, we can work together so I don't mind working like a test like a sample give them like a sample because that is just like practice for me and mm -hmm. then I can just give them that and then see if they can like interested in more like maybe like a regular yeah maybe it's a regular thing or like a package yeah like a recurring income stream yeah that's amazing and have you been able to increase your income as a digital nomad working freelance compared to when you worked for a company full-time oh yeah definitely yeah. so right now my income compared to my highest income job I think my income has tripled since then because Back then I was working for a client in Vietnam and now I can just free to choose like client from around the world. So of course you have like a money arbitrage. So yeah, it's quite easy to gain income that way. Yeah. When you first started working from home, after how long of working from home did you decide that you wanted to start traveling? Hmm. After I work as a freelancer, I moved back home for a while. I think it is for me, I wasn't really close with my parents growing up. So then the first thing I do when I become a freelancer and I realize that I can work as a freelancer is I move back to my hometown and spend a lot of time with my parents. So I think it's like six months or one year. And also I spend a lot of time on working out, starting to exercise, so eating right. So I was super skinny back then. But then when I moved back home and I had more time at home, I was just focusing on like fix everything I want to fix. <laughs> mm. 
Yeah, I think it's pretty strange that when you work for a company, it seems like you never have time for that. But if you work from home, it's just like you take a break and you realize like, oh, I need to stretch. And then after that, you say, oh, I want to work out or I want to do yoga. And that is just come really naturally for me when I was working from home. And so I think my first year was for my parents and myself. And I think after I got like enough saving for like a year or so, then I start to travel abroad. We did like Southeast Asia because it's very near to my country. And there's always a lot of beginner nomad in Thailand or everywhere around Southeast Asia. So I think after one year that I started to like, travel abroad. Mm-hmm. Officially, digital nomad. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the benefits of being a digital nomad is being able to spend more quality time with your family and friends. And I've done that as well. And I think my parents got used to it. They're like, when are you coming this year, you know, to stay with us for a month or so? And then taking care of your health is like, it's true. I mean, sometimes I think in the pandemic, when people couldn't go outside as much and stuff, it could be worse for their health temporarily. But in normal circumstances, when you have that extra couple of hours per day that you're not commuting to work or you know, don't have to eat at your office, you can like go outside or go for a walk. And that's really nice. And I've noticed more people walking around just at all hours of the day. Did you notice that before the pandemic? It was like a ghost town. Like there would be very few people outside unless they were delivery trucks or things. Everyone was at the office. Yes. Yeah. And now it's more crowded, right? Yeah. I actually met people in Malaysia that way because they say that before the pandemic, they never walk around the neighborhood. But now with the pandemic, everyone is walking around the neighborhood. And they actually <laughs> met their neighbors the first time because of the pandemic, obviously. And then everyone become friendlier, less high-strung. And then, yeah, I think the pandemic is a lot of betting, of course, but I think it's we can have like some silver lining from that and then we change some of the habits. Yeah. Do you have any brothers and sisters? Oh, I have a brother. And does he live in Vietnam? Yes, he lives in Hanoi, in the uh. capital. And he's very traditional. Very traditional. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, go up, house, car, wife, kids, that's all. Okay, okay. And so how did your family react when you told them like, hey, I'm going to move? What, what was the first country that you went to? As a digital nomad or as like in general? Well, I guess as a digital nomad, but did you also travel before? Yeah. Okay, travel before that doesn't count. I think it's Singapore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a digital nomad, I can't remember is Thailand or Malaysia, but I think let's say Thailand. Yeah. And you went by yourself, like the whole time you've been traveling by yourself or did you have a partner or friends that you went with? I mostly travel by myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what were some of the, I guess, expectations that you had? Did you think that you were going to go temporarily and then come back to Vietnam? Or were you thinking like, I'm going to go forever and just, you know, never come back? Or what was your plan? Oh, so I didn't really have a plan, like a long-term plan. So my first trip, I was just planned for like one month or two months. So I was going around 
and see what I can, how I feel about it. I think one reason is that I know that I cannot go around like for a long time because, for example, if I want to go to from Southeast Asia to Europe, I have to come back to Vietnam and apply for a visa. Right. If I want to visit, let's say Japan, Korea, I need to come back to Vietnam and apply for a visa from the embassy there. So as a traveler, I cannot just go from one country to some other destination with my passport. So in my mind, it's always like that. I will go somewhere for a few months and come back. And if I want to go somewhere, I need to apply for a visa. Or develop, I need to apply for a visa. So That's so annoying. Yeah. Yeah, it's very annoying, but I'm used to that. So that's my life. Yeah. What are some of the countries you can travel to visa-free? So I think the last ranking that I read is 40 countries, I guess. Okay. So Vietnam is ranked quite low in terms of passport strength. And yeah, the most of the country are in Southeast Asia and some other country I can get an e-visa. And that's also quite easy. But most countries that I really want to visit, I need to apply for a visa with like a, a lot of documents, like proving that I have enough income or I am not intending to stay there illegally. I think that's the main point. Yeah. How do you feel about that in general? Like, do you feel offended that you have to do that or do you just accept it now? Well, at first, what I feel is, of course, disappointment when my visa got rejected, for example, uh, and I feel unfair. But then there's a think about it. The rules are there for a reason. And the reason is that a lot of people, they abuse the system and then they just come to a country and stay there illegally. So I just feel like, okay, it's a fact now and I have to work around with that. So it's just like how you're born. You're born into a rich house or you're born into a poor house. So that is what the cut you're dealt with right so you just need to make the best out of it so what i have to do is is that i cannot just sell my house and become a digital nomad like definitely i need some kind of like like roots yeah so some kind of roots to prove to the embassy that i will come back and i will not leave my country or stay there illegally so it's more like i will need to come back to vietnam and invest in real estate to have like something kind of a route if I don't want to get married or if I don't want to find a job here. So that's the only way for me to work around my passport problem. You know, that didn't even occur to me that you would have to have a house to come back to. Yeah, to I, become a nomad. <laughs> yeah, that's so ironic because I know that that's a requirement for visas that you have to prove some connection to your home country. But then I just didn't even really think about it in practical terms. So that means that digital nomads from the developing world would need to have a fixed residence in their home country to be able to be nomadic, to prove to the governments that they're not going to stay there forever. And I mean, that's true. There are a lot of people that overstay their visas and yeah, but that's so weird. What are some of the countries that you've traveled to as a digital nomad? I think I've been most of Southeast Asia, most of Southeast Asia, like circling. And I've been to Japan, Taiwan, so China a little bit. And so I've been trying to get my visa to Canada and Europe, 
but so far I haven't been successful. So that's why I think my next step is not to become a digital nomad. So I need to come back to my country and then just settle, like make a few arrangements. So to make it easier to get a visa. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can go to some countries in Europe that are not in the Schengen zone or I, I read that they were making it easier to go. So hopefully you can go soon. And then you have this really amazing comic strip called Very Nomad Problems, which I talked about in the introduction. But what inspired you to make that comic? And what are some of the problems that came up that kind of surprised you? Interesting question. Yeah, so I made that when I was, I think, one year or two years in Yucatanoma journey. And at that point, what I'm thinking about doing is just to do some kind of personal work because so far I have always been doing client work. And then to that point, I think I want to have like a side project going on because it seemed like everyone I meet, they had some side hustle or they, they are doing something. Yeah. So it's really like inspiring to just be around them and show that creative energy, you know what I mean, right? So I just started that when I started traveling with a friend and then we started to have some kind of like conversation or situation where I think it'll be funny. So then I started to sketch it down and then just buy the domain, get the website done and then just started to sketch. And I think I was doing that every day. And then we got the website up very quickly. So I'm saying it's very nomad problem. But like I tell you, most nomad I have doesn't have this past force problem. No, no. So it's not like I want to be relatable. So I, I try not to talk about my own problem. And I just trying to get like a general, like something that everyone, most people I meet can relate on and I can relate to. So that's why, I don't know. It seems like it's not about me, but it's more about like me being a digital nomad. And I'm trying to be relatable to everyone. So it's not really about my own story. It's more like about what I see interact with other digital nomads. So I think it's more like a test. I don't know. It's more like a test drive to see how I can juggle a few projects at the same time. So when I come to Malaysia, just before the pandemic, so I kind of like I had to stay in one place because I cannot go anywhere. And then there's no flight back to my country. And a lot of other countries, they have a lot of, a lot of restriction. So then that is why it was dying down and it stopped uh, because I, I was thinking, okay, I'm not going anywhere. So I'm just going with the same thing every day. So <laughs> what do I draw about, right? So yeah, I think I kind of give it up and then just let it like, just let it stay there on the internet. So I was really surprised when you contact me about the comic and ask me about it being in the book. Because for me, it was something that I've done in the past and I already forgot about it. But it was still nice and it's still fun to think about the time when I was creating the comic. <laughs> yeah, we'll link to your website in the show notes so that people can look at all of them. Like I've seen all of them so many times. I found it, I guess, back in, I feel like it was like 2019 or 2020. And 
the, yeah, it was just so relatable. Like everything you write about, like the seven sins of a nomad and having an identity crisis. Like, can you be a digital nomad in your own country? Like, what do you think? Do you, cause like now all of the digital nomads, like many of us got stuck in one country for a while and now things are open back up again. But yeah, I've had that same thing living in Miami. I'm like, am I still a digital nomad because I've been here? What do you think? Yeah. So what I think is that like it's the same as before the pandemic, right? Like you can travel in or out of the country. So what is the difference between traveling to another city in your country and to another country, right? Yeah. So I think it's like a mindset, just a mindset that the nomad doesn't have to be in the same place, in a fixed place. So they can just choose to be where they want to be. So if you want to be in your own country, then it's up to you, right? Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's a mindset. And I, I always say that in my videos. But that was another thing that happened during the pandemic is I made some of my most popular videos during that time, but I kind of felt like you, like I felt like I was losing some of the inspiration that I got from traveling around because when you're not living that every day, you start to like lose a bit. It feels far away. Like you kind of get out of touch with that feeling of adventure and everything. So I can understand why you would stop doing the comics for a while while you're staying in one place, because yeah, it's just a different context and a different environment. I think that your comics added so much to the book because there's so much about the digital nomad lifestyle that is very idealistic and looks so perfect. And so I think that the comics were a really funny way to just add some humor to the very nomad problems that people go through. And so many people would call them like, quote unquote, first world problems. And, you know, there's a controversy over even like, should we call any country first world versus third world versus developing? Like it's all in flux all the time anyway. But there's digital nomads from every country. And I, I think they're more like 21st century problems, nomad problems, because this lifestyle is more and more accessible to so many people, no matter like where you're from and whatever. And so it's very universal lifestyle. And your comics are so funny because they're like universal problems that we all go through. But you know, people can look at them online, but like trying to do your work in a hostel and working with noise canceling headphones and people interrupting you and having this internal battle over whether or not to buy another cup of coffee. <laughs> so they're so funny. I wish I could use all of them in the book. What are some of the ways that you coped with the, some of those problems, you know, you have one like about trying to find Wi-Fi or choosing a destination based on the internet speed. What are some of the ways that you overcame those issues? For me, I feel like I want to keep it funny and lighthearted. There are some kind of problem that I touch, but I don't go too deep into that because I don't want to be too heavy. So those are the problem that I draw in the comic are kind of the problem that I already felt like okay like I dealt with that mm -hmm. and it's something that now I can laugh about it and make other people laugh about it even but there are some other problems in being a digital nomad that I don't think I find a really good way to deal with that which is first is loneliness I think it's a very big problem for me when I started it for me it's very easy to make quick friends 
on the road and then just travel with them and then just like hang out and enjoy the service conversation or we can also go to deeper conversation but it's very different from a friend you knew for a long time like the friend you come back to when you have a problem or something so I feel like when I go to travel I just want to keep the smiling face and then just keep my energy up and being upbeated for like so, so it's, it's easier to make new friends because nobody wants to be like with somebody who is moody or low energy or sad all the time, right? So, of course, when I'm a dikidonomat, I get lonely. I get lonely. And I also bounce into some kind of problem when I was on the road. So at that time, it's like I don't really have some kind of emotional support that I need. And then some people are really kind, but also if they are not really like be there all the time or they just going to bounce to another place soon. So I think one problem I haven't really been able to cope with being a digital nomad is the loneliness when you are on the road alone. And that's why I feel like after every trip, every short trip, I just need to come back to my country and recharge, being with friends and family for a while before I can go out again. And I don't know if I can ever make that fun on the comic because it just seems like for me it's still a really kind of like problem that I feel like it still had that, how I say, it's still painful to think about. Yeah, and I think it's still a problem that hasn't really been solved. I don't know if it is solvable completely. I think there's some improvements that have happened with extra communities and more people becoming nomadic and location independent, that there's more opportunities to see the same people again and form those deeper relationships and with conferences and get togethers and co-living and networks and like the nomad base and masterminds. There's all these groups now. So there's kind of like these mini tribes. So it's almost like finding your tribe within the nomad world. But then as you said, in one of your comics where you have airplanes crossing the world going in different directions, it's like you might make these friends with people and then not see them again or not see them for a really long time. And I've still definitely made like lifelong friends in the digital nomad community. But during the pandemic, there were definitely times where I thought if I was having like a bad day or a down time, I wasn't really sure who to talk to. Like, I know that my friends from home don't necessarily relate to my lifestyle. Like they can listen to things, but they don't really have the same frame of reference that other nomads do. But then there's some nomads that I'm like, I don't know if I really know them well enough to like call them (laughs) with a problem or something. But then with some people, like when I do connect with them, we talk about, like you said, really deep topics. Like I talked to a nomad friend from France recently who was struggling with one of her parents passed away and the other one was sick and so she was taking care of them. And so, yeah, those friendships and bonds can be there, but there's also definitely that transient side if you're not naturally extroverted, it can be quite exhausting to always be like happy and upbeat and introducing yourself to people and getting through that initial 
stage of getting to know the person so that you can go deeper into like the more like lifelong types of topics other than like, you know, where are you from? What do you do? Like those kind of questions at the beginning. So I have a podcast about loneliness. I'll send it to you. It's a work in progress. But yeah, did you have any relationships? Did you date anyone when you were traveling as a nomad? I think dating was definitely my problem. (laughs) It's also (laughs) another problem. I didn't really date anyone. Hey there, Kristen here. I hope you're enjoying today's show. You can support the podcast by leaving us a five-star review wherever you listen or by sharing today's episode on social media or with one of your friends, family members, or coworkers. You can also make a financial contribution to support Badass Digital Nomads at badassdigitalnomads.com support. There you'll find links to donate on PayPal, buy me a coffee, or by joining my Patreon, where you get lots of benefits such as being able to preview my videos before they're published on YouTube, participate in monthly private Zoom hangouts with other patrons, and also get a chance to ask questions for podcast guests. That's at badassdigitalnomads.com support. And now back to the show. I think dating is, was definitely my problem. <laughs> it's also <laughs> another problem. I didn't really date anyone, but kind of like, it's not something like official and it kind of ended badly. But it's also, I feel like it's my problem, even though some people might have that problem, but I don't want to make it like very general, no thing, right? Because a lot of people has been traveling with their partner and they also find fulfilling relationship on the road. I think mm-hmm. so it's more like about uh, my very personal problem <laughs> but I feel like dating in a digital nomad world I don't know it's just seem like you only meet this person on the road you don't know their circle you don't know their lifelong friends some kind of that or you don't know what they're going to be in their own environment you only know them when they're on basically holiday half holiday so everything can be very nice and rosy and like idealistic at that time because you're both in a place where you don't have any kind of normal responsibility. And then you can just talk about feels good things and you don't know who they are when they are not in that frame of mind, right? So I think it's harder to get to know someone really well before you jump into something like our relationship with them and also coupled with the loneliness that is when you are lonely you kind of feel like okay uh, I'm definitely more kind of like needy when I'm traveling because I feel like I want more interactions and I want to be with someone more because I feel lonely even though I know that it's not healthy but I think it's not a really good base to for being in a for starting a relationship. So I think all of the good relationship I have is when I am I started when I'm back home and I'm surrounded by friends and I have all kind of other activity that I can go into. So I can just pace myself to get to know someone. But when I'm on the road as a digital nomad, I feel like everything has happened very fast because you feel like you don't have enough time. 
like you're gonna leave at the end of the month maybe and then you want to get to know them very fast before that time end for example and when a relationship ends it often ends very easily too because you can just go to a different country and then never see each other again so it's not like you have the inclination or you have the obligation to make that work because you will have to see this person like for a long time right so it's very easy just to cut tie because you will need to work a lot to come back and reconnect to yeah. solve some kind of problem yeah I definitely agree like it comes like this turning point where you have to know by the end of the month or you know three months if you want to invest more time and energy in that relationship or if it's just going with the flow to the next place and then that could mean the end of that relationship and how do you usually connect with people when you're in these countries how do you meet people so naturally i think i am an introvert but most like when i go to a new country i can just like being a fake extrovert <laughs> like i can just go around and be friendly and meet people and go to places with them but i think recently i like you said co-living is one of the main thing channel that i use to connect with people so i choose to live in co-livings instead of going to getting my own place and then go to co-working because i feel like I am very focused when I'm at work. So I don't want to talk to anybody when I'm at work. Versus with co-living, when I'm working, I'm working. But after that, we can have like share meals. We can have like time in common rooms. And I think that is really good way to get to know people. And I think that is my favorite way of traveling when I go to a new place. I will just try to find a co-living that I like and stay there for a while. So in Malaysia, I was staying in a co-living like that. And I think that is my main way of getting to know people. And the co-living also welcome local people coming there and work. So I made a tons of local friends who are still friends until now. And yeah, so my main channel of finding new people right now is going to co-living. Yeah, that was a really good channel for me too. I met a lot of people that way and... Japan and Norway and all different countries. How did your perception of being a nomad change during the pandemic? So you went to Malaysia. At first, you thought you were just going for two weeks and then, then you get stuck during the pandemic. So how did that change your perception of being a digital nomad? Oh, that definitely like I'm not saying changing it like completely. But I definitely add more depth to what I feel like my digital nomad journey should be like. So before that, I think I would just jump from place to place. And being stuck in Malaysia is actually very unexpected, even though I like the place. And I came back to Malaysia. At that time, it was four or five times. So after I got stuck there, I was staying in a co-living called the Hatchery Place, which is a place I really like and they have a lot of plants and they have a cat and then because the host cannot come to the place often because because of the pandemic and the lockdown to take care of them so I say I can help them take care of the plants so taking care of the plants it was it was really helping during the pandemic because it gives some kind of routine and a 
stability. It has like a healing property to it. So I just keep doing that every day. And I realized that it's really helped me to connect to that particular place just by seeing the plants grow every day. And I even grow some plants from a seed. So it's something that I don't, I never do when I was traveling from place to place. I think that is make a difference with my stay here compared to all of the year that I've been like going, bumping from place to place and never really stay long enough for to wait for a seed to grow, you know? And that is about the plants and the cats, but then about the people and the people I met there, I keep meeting them. It's just like, it's not just one or two dinner or it's not just one or two conversation. It's just I keep meeting the same people every week. And I think by just by doing that, I made really good friends and friends that is gonna, just gonna, is still within my life to this day. And then I think it changed me, it changed my perception of making friends. Because I think before, I think like friends, they should be interesting. We should have really deep conversation and we should be really inspiring. But then I realized that friends, they are the most important things about them is that they are there. They are there when you need them and they are there when you need someone to hang out. And when you feel lonely, like you want to go somewhere, you can call them up. So the time in Malaysia just make me think that, okay, the most important quality of a friend is that is to be there for you. Right. Mm-hmm. And I made really good local friends during a time when I was in Malaysia, which is two years. But now I think like one year is a minimum amount of time that I stay in one place, whether it's like a long stretch of time or if I coming back for, for that place. But I think it's, it's really take time to really build a connection with someone and to make that person like a permanent part of your life. Yeah. Do you think that you'll keep going back to Malaysia to visit those friends? Or what are your plans to do next as a nomad? Well, right now, I actually don't have any particular plan for any place. So right now, is my plan is also depending on some other person's plan because we actually just get to know each other. Just got to know each other. and. We planned that we had to find somewhere where we, we both can go easily and we can have some kind of extended period of time to get to know each other. Because before that, like I tell you, as a digital nomad, if you want to get to know someone, it's often happened very fast because you always feel like you're running out of time. So right now, I am me and that person decided that, okay, we are just going to do it the normal way. We're going to take the time and get to know someone by spending a lot of time with them and just keep doing a lot of things together and have different experience together. So just like normal people do. And that's what I have in mind. So right now, I feel like after being a digital nomad for a few years, I feel like I'm very comfortable with in my own skin right now. And I can just be comfortable everywhere. Like all of the things we deal with, like visa, accommodation, where to eat, something like that. It just seems like a very normal thing to do. And it's, I can just do it like it's everyday chores, right? And so 
right now my plan is just to I don't know go with the flow just like everybody else is saying right but that's what yeah. I find to I think there's like this kind of tension or kind of back and forth between wanting to travel and explore the world and like see what's next and what's the next step and what's around the corner but then also having that other more settled and grounded side and having like a home life and having friends I think that's so important too like I was showing you in my screen my my plants that are here and that I've had for a couple of years now and I've noticed that I've been in one place long enough to see my orchid grow three stems like I've never had an orchid that just kept re-sprouting but I've had it for almost two years now so it keeps like renewing itself you, you keep an orchid alive yeah good one <laughs> a good one it's like the best one i've ever had and and my poor lettuce oh but you said you grew plants from seeds and i did the same thing i grew tomatoes from seeds and they grew so big that they were up to the roof of my patio and i had to give them away and then I have this lettuce patch that died because I went to Chicago for the weekend. And, you know, you start to realize that, yeah, like you have to be consistent with watering your plants every day for them to stay alive. And but then there comes this time where it's like on one hand, I notice that the palm trees outside my window have grown higher. And there's these signs around my neighborhood that are about Coconut Grove. And one of them says, they have poetry on them, like haikus and stuff. And one says like something about staying in a place long enough to enjoy the shade of trees that you might have planted. And that just really sticks with me because there's so much significance in staying in a place for so long that you, you know, watch your kids grow up and the trees grow and on the other end of the spectrum, because we're humans and everything is like duality and polarized, we have this other urge to explore. And so I think it's about balancing or like finding that point in the tension, I guess, balance where you can have a somewhat, you know, normal and grounded life with the human connection and community and relationships that are important. But then you also have that personal growth that comes through travel. You have the challenge that comes through travel. You have like the exploration, the excitement. And like after two and a half years in Miami, I'm definitely feeling like it's time for me to travel again, but maybe, you know, that travel comes to an end that, that destination, you know, you kind of come to the end of your time there and then it's time to go somewhere else or it's time to go back home. And maybe that is the pattern of, an evolving nomadic lifestyle is maybe having a little bit of both. What do you think? Yeah, I think it really depends on the person, right? But I think you go to a nomad just to know what it's like. And some people can go like live that life forever, but some really need roots. Like you and I just said, we want something we take care of and we can own. Yeah, it's really like a kind of, I don't know who said that, Confucius. It is like the art of like keeping everything moderate. Like you don't have too much of this thing or that mm -hmm. thing and everything is better in moderation. And I think that's like that. You want stability and you want some kind of root 
and you want to be in a place long enough to see how all of the effort in one place turn into. I think it also has some kind of significance in life because not everything in life is happening fast, right? Because you plant something and then you need to wait for a month for it to grow. And I think to have that patience to see some, something grow like that is a part of life that we need to cherish. But the nomadic things is where you can just go and you can just have all kinds of experiences, different experiences and see different perspectives and meet different people. And I think that is something that not many people can do in the past, but now we can do it like with quite a lot of more ease. And I think we just need to take the opportunity. And I think this is a part of being in born in this time. And I think I'm thankful for that because it allowed me to just go to somewhere where my parents cannot go. And just to have to widen my mind into something that they are not exposed to. So yeah, definitely a little bit of both for me, please. Yeah. So I think at the end of the journey, I don't think it will ever end, right? We're just going to keep to think we're going to do something next with our life and whether it is to stay in one place or whether is it to go somewhere else. I think it's still the part of our life that is not like defined by anything unless we want to, mm. right? So, yeah. That's such great advice. I'm for it. <laughs> but I'd really like to be able to meet different people and just to meet them, like, I, as a kid, I always watch television, like, and I want to go to a lot of places. I couldn't do that until recently, right? So, I don't know. Sorry. I just feel like my mind is drifting right now. <laughs> is this because of this, like, in the morning and in the morning, usually my mind was really not really focused. But <laughs> <laughs> More coffees. Okay, you do it. <laughs> My last question for you, though, would be how has travel changed you, you know, in the past five or six years? Do you feel like the same person or do you feel like a better version of yourself? How has that changed you since the beginning of your nomadic journey through today? Yeah, good question. The thing that changed me about the most is to be more aware of what the other person people might be thinking because I grew up in one country and I was raised in one country so I wasn't often exposed to different culture different perspectives and so when I meet other people sometimes I don't realize that we are that different of course we are the same in many ways but we are also very different in another way for example in Vietnam it's quite socially acceptable to say racist things Mm -hmm. or sexist thing it's quite acceptable to just say that okay women are weak and men are strong something like that it's also quite socially acceptable to just say that you are fat like to say someone is fat for example but when I meet people I realize those kind of things are often quite sensitive to talk about and then it's also important to have your own opinion about something rather than this to say that, okay, everyone is saying that. So that's how it is, right? So for me, I was more aware of what the other person might be thinking and I try to learn about their perception and their perspective. And that is somehow just challenged my own thinking. Like, why did I think that way? Why did I 
act a certain way. And by being in a new place, when nothing is familiar and nothing is like the environment that I grew up with. And I believe that a lot of things we call ourselves, it basically is is how we are conditioned to think and we are taught certain things and we are expected to behave in a certain way. But when we travel, there's none of that around us. We just need to find a new way to act and how to adapt to some places that we put some new perspective or cultural value that we are not exposed to before. And I think that in a way, I don't think I am become the place that I go to. It's mostly like I started to think like, okay, so there are so many different ways of thinking or doing things. Everyone is thinking that they are doing the right thing. <laughs> so like, who is right, who is wrong, right? So I think it's, it makes me more like a very uh, questioning. It makes me become more critical in thinking about how I act and why I act that way or this way. So I realize a lot of things we are conditioned to do. So right now, I just keep in questioning like why I do that, why people do things. And I think for me, it gave me a lot of freedom because I realized that nothing is set in stone and then nothing that tradition, there is a tradition is just because people keep doing that way. And then for me, it made me become a very, how do I say, flexible. Mm-hmm. It gave me a very flexible kind of mindset when it comes to different cultural value. And I feel like I can tolerate a lot of differences in people now. And I feel like differences doesn't really bother me as much as before. I feel like everyone is entitled to their opinion, right? And my opinion is not like, it's, it's always changing. It just seems like I'm exposed to more stuff and I can change my opinion and it can make me like a wishy-washy kind of person, but I don't want to have like a rigid kind of, belief system where I cannot accept another people's belief system, but it changed me. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. It's very helpful. And I feel the same way that you want to be flexible and open-minded, but then there's also like some principles that you want to keep and some beliefs that you want to hold to be true, but being able to travel and have those experiences allows you to integrate that on a deeper level compared to before. And then when you come back, you know, five years later or however long it is, you come back a different person, hopefully a better person. And then you appreciate those things about home and travel and find whatever the next step is. So thank you so much for sharing your experiences. What kind of advice or words of wisdom would you have for people that are coming from non-Western countries, or maybe they're from a country where they don't know any other digital nomads and they either feel like, you know, maybe it's too difficult because of the visa situation, or maybe it's not for them or that they don't have enough money or some other sort of blocks that are holding them back. Maybe their family doesn't want them to go. What would you, you know, say to them? The thing you said about family is, I think, is one of the things, the first thing that they have to deal with when they start this journey. Because usually our family would think like, yeah, it's a dangerous world out there. And then they worry about us. 
So that's why they don't want us to go on this journey. So I think the first thing you want to do is just to prove that you can take care of yourself. And I think a lot of people in who is coming from a less privileged country, they are actually more adaptable to a very difficult living situation. So I think it's less about the ability to adapt, but more about the self-consciousness that I have when you go out and you hang out with people from a Western world. So I think when I started, I was really self-conscious about where I'm coming from. Like then my work, I was doing things for like, I mostly work with American clients. So I know that my work has been, can be accepted on an international level, right? But deep inside me, I still have this kind of self-consciousness that I am not good enough. I am not as good as people from Western country. And I think that is some kind of mental block that make it difficult for me to be a really good friend with people from around the world. And I think one thing that I can say to people from a developing world like that want to be a digital nomad is just that just to realize that people are, we are different, but we are also very similar in many ways. And then just because we are from a developing world doesn't mean like we cannot be a good friend with people from Western country or like developed world. And I think just to overcome that kind of self-consciousness make me become much more open and comfortable in social situation. And that is something that I think, yeah, just get that mindset right before or even during at the time when you are becoming a digital nomad. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's so incredibly inspiring. And it's just about facing that fear and that discomfort and then realizing when it's over that it wasn't so bad after all. Yeah. It's not so scary. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it can be intimidating and scary, but it's great to hear from your experience, how you were able to transition from working for a company and being, you know, kind of bored with your traditional lifestyle to working for yourself, starting your side hustle, it, tripling your income and having these experiences, traveling as a solo female traveler to other countries, making friends, co-living. I mean, you've done so much in such a short time. And I'm sure that your family is proud now that they're like, okay, she knows what she's doing. <laughs> it's like they came to the component of accepting now. Yeah, um, so acceptance. Also some kind of achievement. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you're living life on your terms and you're doing what you want to do. And even though sometimes we can only see one step ahead or maybe only in the present moment and not even what the next step is, then you're still living life on your terms and, and doing what you want to do. So I'm so glad that our paths crossed. I'm glad that you had the idea to make the comics and to create that and put it out there on the internet for the rest of us to see. And I'm glad that we got to meet through that and many more people will get to see them in the book in digital nomads for dummies so a lot of people have pre-ordered it so far so i hope that they enjoy your comics and get a good laugh out of them and for everyone else who wants to connect with you maybe they want to just you know check your website maybe there's some people that are looking for some freelance graphic design work how can they get in touch 
you can find me on Behance because I'm still building my website with my more recent work. But I think you can find me on Behance with Jiang Kao, G-I-A-N-G space like K-O, K-A-O. C-A-L, right? Is it C A uh, or K? I changed it to a K. I changed it to a K on the Oh, okay, okay. Okay, because a lot of people they pronounce C as a ch, like Chinese oh, people. Oh, yep, so I see Chow, it. It's Yang Chow. Yeah. Okay, we will link to your Behance profile in the show notes. We'll link to Very Nomad Problems. And then for everyone who's listening, your bio will also be on our website on Badass Digital Nomads. So when you go to this show notes page, then you'll see Ji Yang's beautiful face at the bottom and her contact info there. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. Christine, for this talk. I think you really gave me a lot of inspiration into... I think you are the first digital nomad that I reconnect with for a very long while. I think the first new person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what makes me miss being on the road and meet other people and share stories. I think that is part of the digital nomad life that I really miss. And definitely I will not give up on that, even though I'm saying I'm a kind of like a retired nomad now. Yeah. So I hope like the best with the books. And I also hope to order it. Like, yeah. Let me know where I can. I'll send you a copy for free. Oh, <laughs> Don't <nice>. worry. <laughs> I'll send you one. And then uh, before you go, we forgot to ask you, what is another place that people should visit in Vietnam? Because I now I want to go. I mean, I want to go visit. I hope we get to see each other in real life. But for all the other travelers out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, definitely. Just if you go there, just let me know. Then I can just come to where you come and be your tour guide. So I think the favorite place of Digital Nomad right now is Da Nang, which is in the middle of Vietnam. Mm-hmm. They also have an international airport, so you can also easily get there from, yeah, I don't know which part right now, but they definitely have a lot of direct flight to different cities in, in the world. And Da Nang, they have a bubbling Digital Nomad community. They have the beach, they have river, mountain, so beautiful city, really clean compared to Hanoi or Saigon, which is a big city. So I think if you go to Vietnam, just start there, just start in Da Nang. If you want to spend longer time there, you can go from the north and go to Da Nang, like Hanoi and Da Nang, and then Saigon, if you want to go to the three cities, three big cities in Vietnam. But if you don't have the enough time, just go to Da Nang. I think okay. it's also my favorite place to visit. Yeah, I think it's one of the top locations that I've seen on Nomad List for Vietnam, I think. So that makes sense. We all know where we're going to go in Vietnam now. So thank you so much. Yeah, I hope I can welcome you soon. So yeah, just keep in touch. Maybe later this year, maybe I'll escape some winter and go over there. So yeah, we'll be in touch. Well, have a great day Friday over there, 12 hours difference, and get some coffee, enjoy your day, and we'll be in touch. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, and see you around. I really hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jiang today as much as I did. 
And if you enjoyed the episode today, why not leave us a five-star review? You can leave a review wherever you listen or directly on our website at badassdigitalnomads.com. You can get a list of all the links and the places that we talked today in the show notes, as well as a link to buy my new book where you can see Jiang's art in print. And see you again next week for a solo episode with yours truly, where I will be reporting back on my recent trip to Istanbul, Turkey.